Hey, Christchurch. I'm uh, Pastor Bob, lead pastor here at uh, Christchurch, and we are excited about starting uh, a new series today, I Want to Believe, uh, But. And uh, what we're going to do uh, each week uh, in this series is uh, uh, really deal with some of the cultural distortions uh, about uh, uh, God, right? Uh, and uh, we know that in culture and in the world, uh, there's... Uh, Lots of things that sound really good, and some of them even sound like they're, they're close to the truth, but unfortunately, they're just not the truth, right? They're just not accurately the truth. And a lot of that has to do uh, with our simple understanding of who God is. And so each week, uh, we're going to look at one of those kind of uh, cultural statements and cultural viewpoints uh, of who God is and try to help you understand uh, why that's just simply not the case, and, and expose you to just the biblical truth of, of the nature of God. And uh, we know that, that that's something you face every day if you're out there as a Christ follower already, uh, because those around you are, are probably uh, very comfortable with kind of a, a cultural Christianity uh, viewpoint. Let me kind of prove that to you. Uh, let's see, how many have uh, ever heard the phrase, uh, God helps those who help themselves? Got that one? It feels pretty good, doesn't it? Uh, the only problem is it's not, it's not in the Bible, right? It's, it's just not Christianity, right? And yet that, that's something out there that a lot of Christians would just, just buy into, right? We did, did a series a while ago, uh, if you remember, we did a series debunking some of these. It was called God Never Said That. Remember that series? God Never Said That. One of the things that was uh, in that series was, uh, don't worry, God will never give you more than you can handle. Heard that one? If you remember, no, that's not true. That's just not not biblical, right? And, and so what happens to us is we kind of fall into and we adopt a lot of these kind of, of cultural Christianity things, but unfortunately, they're, they're just not they're just not biblical. They're, they're just not the truth. Uh, and that can happen to us when we think about uh, God, when when we get to understand uh, who God. Uh, is and one of the things uh, is today we're going to deal with is looking at God and trying to understand God. It's so easy for us to fall into a on-demand God, right? That, that God's role uh, is to, is to kind of be there on demand, right? H- how many folks in the house have Netflix? You got Netflix? Okay. How about Hulu? Anybody got Hulu? Netflix always wins, yeah? But some of you got Hulu, good deal, right? Now, most of you probably, you got a DVR? Yeah, you use it? Yeah, they're great, they're awesome. Now, why do we like those things, Netflix, Hulu, DVRs? Why do we like those things? Well, we like those things because we can just record stuff or we can go on Netflix and we can watch whatever we want, whenever we want it. It's all on demand, right? It's all on demand. We go there, we choose what we want, we get what we want, and we can do it when we want. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people uh, look at God as, as kind of parallel, that, that God is kind of an on-demand uh, kind of God. And, and that most often shows up in those experiences when we're going through uh, significant uh, struggle when we're going through real difficulty. Uh, now, as I, as I share with you this morning, I want you to hear loud and clear. Uh, I am in no way this morning minimizing 
that difficulty, right? I, I am in no way trying to undermine or underspeak the, the, the significance of, of the difficulty and the heartache and the challenges that you may be going through or have gone through I- in your life. Uh, those are real uh, and they hurt. Uh, the question is, when we're in those experiences, how do we see God? How do we understand the very nature of God uh, when we're in those challenging moments? And it would be so easy for us to, to view God as kind of an on-demand God. Now, when we're in those moments, we ought to go to Him. No question about it, right? We ought to go to Him. We ought to lay out our heart to Him. We ought to beseech Him. We see that over and over in Scripture. David does it. The psalmist does it. You bet. We ought to go to Him. We ought to lay it all out. But the problem is, is when we go to Him with an attitude that He's supposed to do what we want, when we want, and how we want, that we turn Him into an on-demand God. See, the real biblical truth is that an on-demand God simply does not exist. So I'm going to give you three principles this morning uh, as we kind of launch into this, three principles for you to kind of really churn, think on, and and hopefully just kind of adopt and bring into your relationship with God uh, in terms of how we understand uh, the very nature of God and our relationship uh, to God. Uh, So here's, here's the first one. The first one is to understand that you don't get to decide who God is. God simply is. Right? It's tempting for us to, to try to try to figure out that, that God ought to look like this or God ought to look like that or God ought to be this or do that. That, that somehow we get to paint the picture of who God ought to be. Right? That we build the box in which God ought to be. And the reality is, we can't do that because God just is, right? It's not up to us to decide how God ought to be or what God ought to do. God simply is, right? This is the experience from Exodus when God came to that guy named uh, Moses and said, Moses, I'm going to use you big time and send you down to free my people from slavery down in Egypt. And Moses, a little anxious about the whole expedition, uh, gets in a conversation with God and says, well, tell me now, if I'm going to go do this, they're going to ask me who sent me. Uh, And so what do I say? Who do I tell them sent me? And great response in verse 14. It says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. You see, God just is. God just is. He he existed before us. He, He exists after us. And he will exist with us or without us. Because God simply is. And so we don't get to decide how God ought to be. God simply is God. You with me? Second one. We don't get to form God. He forms us. So we don't get to tell him who he ought to be, but we also don't get to rearrange the, the, the decks on, the, on the, uh, the chair decks. We don't get to rearrange and say, God, not, God ought to look like this, and he ought to look like this, and he ought to do this, and he ought to do that. And we don't get to kind of mold him and shape him into the God that we're comfortable with. 
No, the relationship is the other way around. We don't get to form God. God forms us. You see it, the very basic principle when he even created us in the beginning, right? Look at Genesis 2. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Okay, quiz. Who's doing the forming in that experience? The answer would be God is, right? God is the one who is the former. He is the one who is the fashioner, right? He, he is the potter. We are the clay. And, and so he's the one that works through these experiences that we have, even the most difficult ones that we go through. God is the one that is actively working in those experiences, and he's using those experiences. He's active in those experiences, and he is about forming and fashioning us even through those experiences. God is about molding and shaping us so we are a more clear reflection of who he is, right? He already is. He's forming and shaping us so that we're a more clear reflection of who he is. That's why he said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. He's shaping us to be more like Christ. We don't get to shape him leads us to the third one. And this is the one you got to walk out this morning and really make sure you get, okay? This is the one I want to make sure you just really hang your head on this as you walk out, as you try to figure all this stuff out, what we shared this morning. Uh, this is, is the most important one. It is that God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. God doesn't exist to do what we want, when we want, how we want, where we want. We exist to do that for him. He's not an on-demand God who's just this, this cosmic God waiting to do our bidding when we want, how we want, where we want. No, it's entirely the opposite way around, right? We exist for the sake of his glory. And so when we go through these challenges and these difficult experiences, and again, not minimizing them, they're tough, they're hard, uh, man, they are difficult on us. But God is in them, and God is forming us with them, and those experiences ultimately are about His glory, that He will use them in His way for His glory. He does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. This is a great experience from the book of Daniel. It's one of my uh, favorite experiences from the Old uh, Testament. It's when the three guys got thrown in the fiery furnace. You know the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three guys in the furnace? Uh, give, me a, give me an amen if you know that one, will you? Yeah, okay. Most of you know that one, so I won't go all the way through it. But the thumbnail, the basic thing is, uh, you know, three followers of God, they're just loving the heck out of God. And, and because of that, they get called on the carpet by, uh, by the king uh, because they're putting God first in their life and they're threatened to be thrown uh, in the furnace. And here they are standing before the king right before they go in the furnace, okay? So they're standing before the king. They're, you know, having a discussion with the king. And this is right before they're chucked into the furnace, and they speak to the king, and one of them says, If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Now, notice that. They understand the nature of God. That God is absolutely able. He is capable, right? 
He, he is absolutely able and capable to deal with any of the circumstances we go through. He is absolutely able. He is up to it. He is capable. He can handle it. He can deal with even the most difficult circumstance we go through in life, even a fiery furnace, right? They're saying, look, he is able, and they're going in with extraordinary confidence in God and his love for him, for them. They said, he will rescue us from the power, from uh, your power, uh, your majesty. So they know God is able. They know he is capable. They know he has committed to them. And they are going in with great confidence in God. But notice the next line. Do not miss the next line. What do they say? Well, we're confident he has the power and he's capable and he's able to rescue us. But even if he what? Is that awesome? Even if he doesn't. Even if he isn't the on-demand God. Even if he doesn't solve the issue the way I think he ought to solve it. Even if he doesn't come through the way I think he ought to come through. Even if he doesn't move my future the way I want it to go. Even if he doesn't solve the problem according to my ideas and my expectations. Even if he doesn't come through the way I want him to come through. Even if he doesn't. They're going to still be absolutely committed How could they do that? How could they do that? In the middle of facing a fiery furnace, they dump the idea of an on-demand God. They know an on-demand God simply doesn't exist. And instead, faced with the fire, faced with the difficulty... They just trust in the true nature of who God is. That's what we do. We can let go of the on-demand God, the false distortion of who God is, because we hold on to what we know to be true about the real God who simply is, the one that we exist to serve. So what do we know about the true God who really is? Here's some things we know. One, we simply know that God is and he is always in his nature lovingly committed to us. No matter what we face, no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the challenge, we know the nature of God simply doesn't change. And he is always absolutely committed lovingly to us. He will do always whatever is best for us. He will always do whatever brings him glory. He will always act even to the point of his own sacrifice for our sake. That's who he is. If you look at John, 1 John, it says God showed us, right? So how do we know this? We know it because we've seen him do it. We, We can look at the scripture. We see him. He's done it over and over and over. We see him do it. And most specifically, John says, we've seen him do it, display it in his own son, Jesus, right? God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. His one and only. He's emphasizing 
the most valuable possession of the kingdom of heaven. His one and only son, he sent him into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. This is God's real love commitment uh, to us. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a, what's the word? God's absolute commitment to us, the real God, the true God, the absolute God who existed before all time, in his very nature, is absolutely, sacrificially committed to you. It is who he is. He is absolutely and sacrificially, in his love for you, committed And so James can say, well, because of that, whatever good and perfect gift that we get, that that comes down from heaven. That comes from God our Father. And he's the one who is able because he created all the lights in the heavens. And this absolute God who is able to do all that, this absolute God who is absolutely committed to us in sacrificial love for us, he never changes or cast a shifting, shifting shadow. What does that mean? He is the same yesterday, he is the same today, and he'll be the same when? Tomorrow. You see, that absolute love commitment, even to the point of sacrifice, his very nature will not change. And so you may be doing fine yesterday, you may be doing fine today, But tomorrow when you face a struggle and when you face a difficulty, you can count on it. That God is absolutely in his love for you, willing to sacrifice, and he is committed to whatever you're going through. Because that commitment does not, it will not change. He chose to give us birth, and by giving us a true word, and we, out of all creation, I love this, we, out of all creation, became his prized possession he does not exist to serve us we exist to serve him and he is absolutely committed and so in that truth understanding the nature of god the real nature of god letting go of the on-demand god dumping that false god knowing the absolute nature of god paul says listen can anything ever separate us from christ's love doesn't mean we no longer that he no longer loves us if we go through trouble or we go through calamity or we're persecuted or we're hungry or we're destitute or we get in danger or we're threatened with death. I mean, going through all that difficult stuff that we have to go through, does that mean he doesn't love us? Paul's answer at the end, no. Verse 37, no. Uh-uh. Despite all those stuff, in the middle of those, those things, he is absolutely committed to us in his sacrificial love for us. And because of that, we'll know overwhelming victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. What's he depending on? The absolute very nature of the real God. When we're in those difficult times, and they will be difficult times because we'll make bad decisions, others will make bad decisions, we live in a broken world, sin is still real, and there's hurtful consequences. But when we go through those difficult things, we know that we have a God who is absolutely committed to us. That's who he is in his nature. And as we're going through those things, we will not understand. We will not understand why or how 
or when. I mean, I'll be honest with you, folks come to me and say, that's your pastor, you know, why did I have to go through that? I don't know. I mean, I, I know a lot of stuff from the Bible, but, I mean, there's stuff we just don't know. And, and why does this happen or why does that happen? I don't know. I mean, I know sin is still real. I know it still has its consequences. You know, I know we make sinful decisions. Other make sinful decisions. I know we suffer because of that. But you know what? I don't always know. But I know this. I know that God's thoughts and ways are higher and better than mine. His thoughts, His ways are higher and better than mine. And when you're in that difficult circumstance, when you're wading through that difficult thing, it may not make sense. It may not even add up at all. But what stays true is God's absolute commitment to you. And He will always work in those circumstances for your good and for His glory, even though it doesn't make any sense. All we have to do is look at Scripture to see that truth, right? To understand it. He's shown it to us already before. I just put up a few examples here, right? So Moses went down and he freed his, God's people from, from slavery in Egypt and he brought them out with a mighty arm and they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's chariots are chasing them. And what did the people say? The people say, oh, great, Moses, you brought us out here to die. You rescued us. What a great God. You brought us out here, and and now we're up against the Sea of Galilee, and Pharaoh's chariots are going to come and wipe us out. Great move, Moses. Great deal, God. And what does God do? He parts the sea. Did anybody see that coming? Yeah, God did. God did. You see, we only see a little bit forward. We only have a view of a little bit down the road. But God's view is all the way to eternity. We only see a little bit further. But God sees for generations. And what you're going through right now, whatever the challenge, whatever the circumstance, it may not make any sense at all to you. But God's thoughts... And God's ways are higher. And he sees farther. They go out into the wilderness. And they're thirsty for water. And they're complaining. Great job, Moses. You brought us out into the wilderness. And now we're just going to die in the wilderness. And so God tells Moses, listen. Just take your staff and strike a rock. And water is going to come out of it. Really? Did you see that one coming? Water out of a rock? God did. Or who in their right mind, who would ever imagine, who would ever have any concept that a bunch of people could march around the city of Jericho with its fortified walls that everybody knew could never possibly be penetrated or fall down? Who would have any scope of idea that if a group of people would walk around that city and then at the end stop, blow some trumpets and shout... And the walls would fall down. Who saw that one coming? God did. 
You see, we won't always know in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the circumstances. We just can't see far enough. But it is the nature of God who does. He knows. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. And we just trust in who He really is. He is a loving God who is absolutely committed to His people to the point of sacrifice. And we aren't, He isn't here to serve us. We are here to serve Him. No matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, we just trust who He is. And He is enough. Just knowing He's present, just knowing He's there, just knowing Him is enough regardless of the circumstances. You folks probably are familiar with the 23rd Psalm, right? How many plan on having that one at your funeral? A few of you out there, right? Here's my encouragement to you. Uh, Don't let that be the first time you hear it at your funeral. Got to think that one through, don't you? Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Don't let, don't, don't let that be the first time you hear that thing. Look, look, look at verse 4. We know it. But look what it tells you about the very nature of God and how we get through difficult times. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. What kind of valley? Darkest. Not, not, not just when I walk through this little rut in the road, right? Not when I just hit this little bump and this little rut in the road. When I walk through the deepest, darkest, most significant, most overwhelming, most challenging circumstance in my life. When I walk through the deepest and darkest, most oppressive valley possible in my life. When I walk through pitch black, overwhelming, oppressive darkness. You get the picture? When I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? He gives the answer. Why is he not going to be afraid? Because you're enough. You are close beside me. Your rod Your staff protect and comfort me. You are enough. We go through difficult times. But we go through because we know the real God. Not the fake God. Not the false God of the on-demand God. Not the non-existent God of on-demand, do what I want, where I want, when I want, how I want. We know the real God. The real God in His nature who is absolutely committed to us, even to the point of sacrifice, the real God whose thoughts are higher and wiser in His ways so much better than anything we could think or imagine, who is always going to work for our benefit and for His glory because He does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. And all we need is Him. All we need is Him. When He sent Moses down there to do this miraculous thing, He said, this is who I am. Tell Him who I am. And just remember, Moses, 
I'm going to be with you. And when Jesus was leaving his disciples, before he left, knowing the struggle in the valley they would go through, what did he say? Listen, just know I'm going to be with you. I and the Father, we are going to come and we're going to make our home with you. We have an incredible God, a real God, who is absolutely committed to us in sacrifice and will not let our, let our lives go. He will be with us in that valley. He will work for our good and his glory because he does not exist, right? We don't exist. Uh, he does not exist for us. We exist for him. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Uh, thanks for being uh, who you are. Uh, you're, you're not a puppet God. Uh, you're not there for us to just go to and, and demand things. Um, you are who you are. And, and you are an incredible God, committed to your people in love, even to the point of sacrifice. And you will not let us go. And so, Lord, we know in the room today there's folks who are in a deep valley uh, who, who are struggling through some stuff that they, they just can't make sense of, that they don't understand. And yet we know you're with them. Uh, so we just pray that would be enough, that you would be there in your strength and in your power and in your compassion, and you would lead them because you have a new tomorrow for them and that they could trust you uh, in everything. They could just trust you beyond measure because, uh, Lord, uh, you don't exist to, to serve us, but we exist to serve you. We just commit this to you. In Jesus' name, amen.